Well, today on this memorial of St. Martin de Porras, I'd like to draw our attention to our first reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Here, St. Paul is speaking to a situation in which there is, uh, I mean, I guess one way of phrasing it would be to say there's ethnic rivalry, ethnic rivalry going on. Um, St. Paul is going and he's evangelizing non-Jewish people. He's evangelizing Gentiles. And uh, there are Jewish Christians coming along who have uh, access to the gospel to a certain degree. I mean, they are preaching Christ, um, but they don't have the fullness of the revelation of the gospel of Christ. And there's a lot of error mixed in with what they're saying. One of the things they're saying is that for you to be a real Christian, you need to be circumcised and you need to observe all the different commandments of the Old Testament law. Essentially, you need to convert to Judaism first before you can be a full, true blue Christian. That's essentially what they were teaching. And uh, Paul dedicated his life to combating this error. It was a constant problem, and he spoke to it all, all, all everywhere he went, always. And in all, almost in all his letters, that's what he's speaking about, is this issue. Okay. So, um, now, that kind of doctrinal error is one thing, but also sort of wrapped up into that doctrinal error, there was a kind of an arrogance on the part of these Jewish Christian teachers, which sort of reduced to a kind of a, a, almost a racism or an ethnic bigotry or an ethnic... Um, sense of superiority. And so they were going around saying, well, you know, we are of the race of Abraham. We speak this ancient language, or we know this, we understand this ancient language that goes back thousands of years. We are the people that God has chosen and that who, uh, to whom he spoke on Mount Sinai. And he gave us the scriptures. He gave us the law. And the prophets were sent to us. And so we're, we're special. And um, so Paul has to combat that. And Paul is saying here, he's saying, if anybody's got reason to boast, I've got reason to boast because uh, I am of the race of Israel. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I know my genealogy. Um, I speak uh, the Aramaic, Hebrew, Semitic, you know, ancient dialect. He can if he could if he wanted to. I'm a Pharisee, which was a kind of a confraternity, if you will, within the Jewish religion. And they were the holiest of the holies. So I'm one of those guys. This is how I was raised. And so he says, if anybody's got reason to boast, I've got reason to boast. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and his gracious self-revelation to me, all of that means nothing. And I count it as, as loss, as rubbish, compared to the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, now, I think Paul can be sometimes extreme in his rhetoric. I don't think that he means to absolutely discount any value whatsoever to his Jewish heritage. In other passages in his letters, he, he says things very favorably about the Jewish people and about his own heritage and that he's proud of his own heritage. Uh, so I think we can kind of read through his rhetoric a little bit. There is value to a given person's ethnic background. We've received a lot through our own uh, family and ethnic and uh, national heritage. And we need to give credit where credit is due. But there's something much higher 
much more transcendent than all of those things, and that is our faith in Jesus Christ. The facts, and also, let's just say this, the fact that we're all human beings. The fact that we're all human beings, just even at the level of nature. There is more in common that we have with one another than what divides us from our different ethnicities and races, people groups and nationalities. Uh, and this is all very pertinent to the commemoration that we celebrate today with the uh, commemoration of St. Martin de Porres. This man was a remarkable saint. He was a very remarkable saint. He was born in the late 1500s. He died in the early 1600s. Uh, he died at the age of 60. So he didn't live too long, but he the, the years that he was on earth, he spent them uh, in a very, very profound and deep Christian manner. His father, well, he was of a, a mixed race. His father was Span, uh, of Spanish stock, and his mother was of African de- um, descent. So he was, you know, what maybe, I think probably today is not a popular word, but, uh, you know, mulatto. He was a mixed, mixed race. And uh, he was in a very difficult situation because, you know, if you're of mixed race, it's like the half of the source of your blood doesn't really recognize you as one of their own, and the other half doesn't either. <laughs> so you're kind of like in no man's land. Um, and uh, his father basically disowned him because, oh, and by the way, and he was illegitimate as well. He was an illegitimate child. So his father uh, was a married man and, and basically, you know, had relations with this woman of African descent and just kind of left her and her son to kind of fend for themselves. So that would add even more to the difficult situation in which he was born. But nonetheless, just by an amazing mark of act of God's grace, he had an incredible devotion uh, to Jesus from earliest childhood. And he was a very, very religious and pious child all the way up. And when he was in, a teen, uh, in his teens, he wanted so badly to join the Dominicans. But unfortunately, even the church um, sometimes is not exempt from racial discrimination and prejudice. So there were certain kind of uh, customs that were around at that time that prohibited him from joining the Dominicans because of his illegitimate birth. Um, I'm not sure if his mixed racial background was an impediment or not, but his illegitimacy was. And uh, so he basically, he he kept working to try to join the Dominicans, and a number of the Dominicans really wanted to receive him, but others didn't, and it was very, it was a conflict within the local uh, priory itself. Eventually, he was admitted to like the third order. He was admitted. He became a lay brother. He was given all these menial tasks, and uh, he was trained in his youth to be um, with some medicine. To, to deal, not like a, he was like a full blown doctor, but he had some medical skills. So they put him in the infirmary, and he basically lived his entire life as a lay Dominican brother working in the infirmary, uh, serving the the sick um, and the the terminally ill. And uh, he was so holy and he cared for the people that were under his charge so deeply with such profound love and charity um, that he became respected eventually. By the time he died, he was eventually respected by everybody. Uh, they saw that he was a great saint. Uh, he was even known to work miracles as well. His sanctity was, was testified to by some miracles, some miraculous healings and some other miracles. So a very holy man. What I find remarkable about his life is that Speaking of racism and prejudice against races, is that <clears throat> it's it's a a sign of sanctity if you are 
a member of the dominant people group to be able to overcome any kind of racism or prejudice. But what if you're in the minority group? What if you're the, a member of the, of the group that's being discriminated against? How much harder is it to overcome the bitterness that you might feel, the anger, the resentment, the envy, all of those? How much more difficult would it be to overcome those weaknesses and failings? And yet he did. That, that's just absolutely remarkable. And he did it because of love. And it really, it's so simple. It kind of comes down to love. Prejudice, racism. It is, of course, uh, let me just share with you a passage from a, a very good uh, moral theologian here, contemporary moral theologian. He says, The sin of racism does not arise only from a perception of the defects of groups other than our own. There is no denying that all groups have typical faults that make them liable to stereotyping and caricature by other groups. Okay, that is kind of true sometimes, right? I, I can pick on Italians a little bit here because I've got Italian on my father's side. You know, the Italians, they're kind of known for being passionate and they can hold grudges and stuff like that. Hey, that's true. It's true. I mean, it's true in general. But the point is, is that there's more in common with this particular ethnicity and all other people groups on the earth than what divides them. Way more in common. We're all human beings. We're all made in God's image. And moreover, if we're Christians, we've all been baptized. That's way more important, and that's way more something we have in common than what differentiates us. And so the theologian goes on. He says, rather, racism chiefly arises from a lack of love for others, even our enemies. They are human beings. And they have most things, especially the most important things, in common with ourselves and our own group. Racism is best overcome by learning to love all human persons for the same reason that we love ourselves, namely, that God loves us as his children. Very simple, but very profound. So for ourselves, my brothers and sisters, when we see someone from another ethnicity, when we see someone from a different religion, a different country, they speak a different language, What's the first thing we see? Do we see the difference? And are we afraid of that difference? And do we, you know, have that kind of knee-jerk reaction to say, oh, they're not like me? Is that the first thing that, that hits us? Or do we say, they're another human being made in God's image just like me, and let me try to find something more in common that I have with them. And on the basis of what we have in common, Let's establish a relationship of true love and true justice between us. So I just leave that thought with you. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for you. It's a challenge for all of us today. And St. Martin de Porres, I think, shows us the way forward in, in that regard.